This is New York's State of Crime. A true crime podcast exploring New York's most disturbing criminal cases. I'm Peter. I'm Brenna. All right, so this is uh, this is our 11th episode. Yes, our 11th episode. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. We, um, do we have any uh, interesting news? Well, there was a bit of, we're not sure if it's a crime, but there was a body found floating in Morningside Park in a pond yesterday, which was very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only news I saw was, you know, they confirmed that the person was dead, which most of us real, uh, most of us We kind of figured, figured it would be dead, <laughs> um, yeah. And then I did see that they, one source was reporting it was someone uh, around 30 years old, which is sad. I mean, it's sad either way. We don't know if this was um, someone who was targeted and, you know, harmed by somebody else, or if it was just like an accident that something that went horribly wrong, but either way, really fucking sad. Yeah. And that just adds to that park's kind of kind of bad rep for being like a murder park and like right. a rape park, and yeah. uh, it's really too bad because it's a really pretty and necessary park, right. and it uh, forms this like really nice um, change of pace in what's otherwise like a really built up area. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, Central Park is not that far from there, but. It's still nice. It's got cute cliffs, mm-hmm. nice staircases, multiple winding pathways, which are, uh, you know, nice during the daytime, but like sort of earned their rep at night, unfortunately, due right. to the this area. This is the same park where um, a young Barnard College student was murdered last year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, well, we might actually we might actually do that case yeah. now that you mention it. Um, just very. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so sad and disturbing is definitely the theme today, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about something that just happened. Uh, it's it's very local to us, right by Morningside Park, in the uh, Saint Nicholas uh, public housing mm-hmm. buildings on a uh, it's uh, between like 127th and uh, 131st between. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Clayton Powell and uh, and Saint Nick or, or something like that mm-hmm. over there, right mm-hmm. right near the park. Yeah. So this is this is the story of Aiden Wolf. He's a ten year old boy. He uh, grew up in Harlem, and uh, he wanted to be a YouTuber, streamer, like like gamer person, internet internet kid you yeah. know like zoomer yeah, stuff like whatever my, like my brother yeah also named aiden <laughs> weird weird spelled differently though yeah aiden wolf is spelled with a y not mm-hmm. an i mm-hmm. and an e mm-hmm. instead of an a at the end mm-hmm. um but yeah so this was you know like a like a smart like tech savvy kid uh you know fixed everybody's wi-fi mm. for them like you know did did youtube stuff did gaming and everything yeah uh you know he was a smart kid with with defined interests right and like really knew what he wanted in in a way that like i didn't know what i fucking wanted when i was like twice his age so yeah definitely like a put together kid that was was gonna go places um and he He's not going to get to do any of that. No, no. Um, I'm dreading this already. You should. It's bad. 
on Friday, March 5th, around 3 p.m., a 911 call comes in from the fourth floor resident of uh, Nietzsche's St. Nicholas houses. Uh, the caller reports hearing bangs, thuds, uh, other sort of like noises of conflict or things indicative of a struggle or a fight. They hear a man scream, Do you want me to beat your ass too? And uh, Aquisha Johnson, Aiden's mom, could be heard pleading, Stop, stop. And Aiden could be heard faintly moaning oh, no. at, after, after this. The police arrived a little while later, I think 20 minutes later. Mm-hmm. It was police from the division assigned to uh, public housing patrol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they come, they check the hall and the stairwell, and they listen at um, the doors, but they don't hear anything. They call the number that... Uh, just made this 911 call, mm-hmm. and there was no answer. Was uh, it Aquisha who called, or somebody no. else in the building? No, this is this is just a neighbor, an unidentified neighbor oh. on the on the same floor. Okay. Uh, presumably in the, uh, an apartment abutting theirs, right. sharing a wall. Yeah. Um, because they said it was happening like to their wall, like right. to their shared wall. They were hearing these sounds. Yeah. Uh, so they they spend about 12 minutes investigating the floor. Didn't hear anything. There wasn't a commotion when they arrived, mm-hmm. and they weren't able to reach the original 911 caller. So they, they left, but they didn't knock on any doors. Oh, no. The next day, uh, Saturday, March 6th, the same person hears more of the same stuff going on in the morning. They hear the same man yelling, you thought yesterday was something? And you think this is a fucking game? Once again, more faint moaning was heard after things seemed to calm down. The witness did not call 911 again. Around 2 p.m., a 911 call came in for an unconscious child at the St. Nicholas houses. Oh no. This call was made by Ryan Cato. I think I'm saying that right. It's C-A-T-O. Yeah, that's Ryan Cato. Cato. Yeah. Uh, Aiden's mother's live-in boyfriend. Police and paramedics arrived and found Aiden on the floor, naked and soaked with water and unresponsive. What the hell? Uh, apparently, he was soaked because they had put him in a bathtub of cold water to try to 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 wake him up uh, he was covered in cuts and bruises uh, some were clearly fresh and some were from the recent past paramedics weren't able to do anything at the scene so uh, Aiden was taken to Harlem Hospital they they tried desperately to revive him but Aiden succumbed to his injuries and was pronounced dead at 3.20 p.m. March 6th. Was he still breathing when they got there? It's unclear. Ugh. He may not have been breathing, but there's no yeah. There's no information. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess they said it was a call about an unconscious child, but it could have been any 
you know, he could have already been dead and they could have called it in and said he was unconscious because then by the time someone gets there, it's like, oh, he was breathing before, but now he's not. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, anything is possible at this point because there's no confirmation, but it, mm-hmm. it is also possible that he, he was dead when they got there, yeah. regardless of what was said on the phone. Right, right. Um, but they, they did, they did take him to the hospital and they did, yeah. they tried for, I think, almost an hour between mm-hmm. when they got there and when he was called. Mm-hmm. And the the medical examiner said that Aiden died of battered child syndrome, oh, no. which is just, you know, continuous and chronic beatings mm-hmm. and just a full, full body trauma, basically, that uh, is so frequent that you are never able to heal right. any of it. So you're you're literally just slowly beaten to death because your body has no time to fix itself in between instances of violence. And as as uh, you know, robust as kids can be, sometimes mm-hmm. it's he basically turned into a fucking pulp. The medical examiner said he had multiple broken ribs and the language kind of implied all of his ribs were broken. Wow. uh, Not just a few of them. And he had severe trauma and lacerations to his uh, kidney, liver, and spleen. Oh my god. So just full, full organ damage. Like, he probably, I mean, I don't think you could survive something like that. Did they say how long this, could they tell from the autopsy how long it had been going on? Uh, the, while the autopsy report, I, I think it is available. Um, I couldn't bring myself to read it yet, but there, in a few minutes, I'll get to some information that will answer that question. Okay. Uh, without having to read the autopsy report of a dead kid because I I couldn't do it so Ryan Cato the guy who called Mm 911 for this incident and the uh, live-in boyfriend of Aquisha Aiden's Aiden's mom uh, was questioned at the scene by police and he said that Aiden was out earlier in the day and that he often went out and picked fights with other kids who fuck? yeah who <laughs> apparently beat him up regularly when Kato was asked about his like swollen and sort of like scuffed looking right hand he said it was a work related injury uh-huh yeah uh, police reviewed the surveillance footage, and that footage showed that Aiden hadn't left the apartment that day, mm-hmm. and the injuries to Kato's hand were consistent with punching using a closed fist. Yeah, like, what 10-year-old is getting into knock-down, drag-out fights on the schoolyard? Like, you're 10, that's like a you're baby. 10. That's yeah, not no. even... I mean, that and this kid... Barely left the house right. because one, it's a pandemic. Right. Two, him and his mom were really close. Like, yeah. there's not like a lot of reason that he'd need to go anywhere. School is remote. And he's an internet kid. He's, he's an, an internet YouTuber kid. gamer. He's not right. playing on the playground. What is outside? Yeah. No, there is no outside. So police obviously weren't buying any of that, and Cato uh, was arrested and charged with second degree murder. Uh, he 
was arraigned and is being held without bail. Mm-hmm. Uh, last February, he was arrested for assaulting a yellow bus driver. Oh. Um, like a school bus. A school bus, <laughs> yeah, in Brooklyn. Ah, uh, okay. This past December, he was arrested after he allegedly, but actually did, choke out the mother of his kids <gasps> in front of his kids oh, no. uh, inside their apartment in Williamsburg. And uh, for this, he was charged with assault, menacing, and uh, two counts of endangering the welfare of a child. <sighs> for some fucking reason, this offense was not eligible for bail under the new bail reform laws, so Cato was released. Hmm. Uh, read into that what you will, but we're not going to touch it. I'm trying to put together what that means. Because, I mean, that's hot as fuck. Like, this dude chokes yeah. his wife and then doesn't even get assigned bail. Yeah. And then just gets released. Right. That's fucked up. Yeah. But, like, the new bail reform laws uh-huh. but are, are they supposed, supposed to, to be, be good. So that if it's a violent offense, then you... But, I mean, the, the point is that you're, as a, like, a left-leaning person, you're supposed to be for the for new it, bail but... reform laws, but yeah. then somehow this Mm -hmm. slips by Mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense because as far as i was concerned or knew these bail reforms are supposed to be for non-violent like petty drug offenses but somehow this violent asshole was released after choking the mother of his children in front of them but anyway that's that's a subject for a different podcast shortly after all of this happened, uh, a protective order was issued against Cato in in the name of his uh, the mother of his children, uh, and he moved in with Aquisha Johnson and Aiden. Uh, did so, she know? Did she know? Did she know about his that his violent past with his last uh, there's, girlfriend? There's no information. Mm-hmm. Um, friends and family said that they didn't know much about Ryan, like this mm-hmm. was like a new boyfriend yeah. for Aquisha, and because of the pandemic and maybe other reasons, yeah. no one had really met him or talked to him or really knew anything right, about right. him. So oh, right. it's there's really no way to know if she was aware or not. Right, you said this was in December that he choked out his this just this past December. So by March, he's living with these with Aquisha and Aiden. Right. I mean, I I wasn't able to find the exact timeline, but mm-hmm. I mean, this this happened in this past December, and I have to assume that the protective order which was issued either in December or early January, mm-hmm. which means he would have been moved in with Aquisha maybe two months, two and a half months, probably. Yeah. yeah. If you you know, think that it, things went mm-hmm. the way that that implies. Well, and I'm sure he probably lied to her of, like, why he had to move out. I mean, I'm sure, Of yeah. where he was living and, like, you know, made some sort of pandemic excuse or... I mean, who knows how long the two had been talking before this while right. he was, you know, with his... Yeah. The mother of his yeah, children, yeah. and so... I don't know, there's there's no way to know Right. I mean, he also stuff. could have not been with the mother of his children when he choked her out. I mean, they were living together at that time, and the protective order kicked him out of the house that they shared. Okay. But that's that's all I got from it. The rest is unknowable and purely speculative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, yeah, so about two, two, two and a half months, maybe, this could have been happening. Probably was happening. 
So this, so Aiden was, was being slowly beaten to death for a little over two months. Aquisha, his mother, is a brain cancer survivor. <gasps> she had cancer when she was a teenager. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and she was told that she would never be able to have a child, oh. but she, she got her son, so... That's fucking horrible. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, friends and family say that they were close. She doted on Aiden, you know, like the, the way that a mother would who didn't think that she would be yeah. able to have a child, you know. Uh, and there was one ACS complaint filed against her. Uh, the complaint was for neglect, and it was from 2010 so not long after Aiden was born, hmm. uh, the files are sealed, obviously, so hmm. I don't know what that might have been or anything, but that was the only thing on her record mm -hmm. from, you know, research done by people with access to this information right. in, and a, that, in a more real way. And if there's no other files, then that could have been resolved. Do we know what, what was Aiden's father in the picture? Yeah, we're, we're oh, about okay. to get there. Uh, Darnell Wolf is Aiden's father, mm -hmm. and he was the fiancé of, of Aquisha. Mm -hmm. So they, they, you know, they had a kid together and, and were going to get married. Yeah. Um, and were relatively happy up to into a point. He, he said this of Aiden. Uh, he had charisma. He just shined. His personality was amazing. <laughs> if only you could see how much love he had, that was my son. It just, it gets I sadder. Can't, I it can't gets sadder. This. I'm literally going to cry. Darnell only learned about the death of his son through calls from friends and family extending their condolences <sighs> after they had heard about this from the news. So it, it all happened so fast that I, I guess next of kin notification just didn't happen. Maybe there was a contact issue. Yeah. He says uh, he hadn't been in contact with his former fiance or with his son after Aquisha left with Aiden and moved into the NYCHA mm -hmm. housing at St. Nicholas last June. Okay. There wasn't any information about why she left or chose to move mm -hmm. uh, and, and take her son with her. But I mean... Who who knows? Yeah. There's 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 no information. So he he hadn't seen or spoken to them since last June, save for seeing Aiden once for his birthday, mm -hmm. sometime in October. Mm -hmm. There was like a, a nice like Facebook post, like him and his dad just doing, you know, kid dad stuff. Mm. Um, here's here's a picture of them, actually, just like real like oh, regular stop. like cute you know father son stuff. Here's one of Aiden in his little like like dressed up for something I know. fancy church, you know. Yeah. Uh, event, um, but yeah. So his his dad, you know, his dad loved him, and they, him and his mother were. I mean, they were planning to get married, so mm -hmm. there was. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like there were, mm -hmm. was anything really wrong there, but there's there's no way to know, I guess. Mm -hmm. So Aiden was attending. Remote learning, of course, because of, of the pandemic, and uh, because of this, he didn't really leave the apartment, right? Yeah. Which means he wasn't around any teachers or any other people who would be mandatory reporters. Yeah. And uh, I say this because all of, uh, you know, the family friends and everything say that they didn't notice any uh, problems or any abuse happening. 
and it's mm-hmm. just like, well, I mean, how often are you seeing Aiden, first of all? Yeah. And secondly, uh, anyone who is abusive knows where to hit people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're going to go see, you know, Aiden and then like lift his shirt up to check for bruises, bruises or something. Yeah. Like if you don't see something on his arms while he's wearing a t-shirt, you're going to think everything is fine. Mm-hmm. So that's really just... Honestly, it just breaks my fucking heart when people say stuff like that because it's like this kid This kid got beaten to death over the course of two months and they just say oh well I didn't see anything. How can anything be wrong? Blah 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 Just get get fucked like it's it's just Like why the insistence that you knew nothing was happening like that makes it better like that makes it somehow less sad if you're that person that you feel responsibility to this child, you feel guilt that you could have stopped it and you have to continually convince, not convince, remind yourself that you didn't know that there's nothing you could have done. I mean, that's literally the point. Like you're saying, lockdown, pandemic, you know, the isolation from institutions like schools is, this is a widespread problem, not just Aiden's problem, but like there are tons of kids and um, women and just people that are in domestic violence situations that are in their worst case scenario right now because they're stuck at home with their abuser and there's no respite from that and no you know no one looking out for you at like offering an out so this is like a much wider problem for anyone in these kinds of situations that was like made worse by the pandemic conditions so, I mean, there's there's more to unpack okay. about this. What the fuck were the cops doing? Yeah. Like, what... You, you, you get called... You get called and don't knock on any doors? That just seems... Seems uh, a little lazy to me. Like, you get reports of, like, a kid being beaten and you mm-hmm. just don't think you should figure that one out even if it's quiet when you get there mm-hmm. and like so so what you can't reach the person who called like no shit like do you know what it means to call the cops when you're like like black or right. other person of color like living in NYCHA like yeah. you don't call the fucking cops for no reason yeah no I think it's probably some like very complex interaction between these two groups who are at like a very cold not cold like a charged standoff of like you know like cops are afraid to overstep because of the situation in the wider world at large and like well i hope they are i hope they're like second guessing what they do when they're interacting with um over policed communities and the fact that this is like the cops that are assigned to the Niger houses is like part of the reason it's like an over-policed community but this True. is a case where like you literally did need this intervention and then they're like they're like tiptoeing around it um so yeah it is like maybe just this whole thing of like this this world what this cultural tension around like police interactions that is also keeping the most important interactions from happening yeah, I just... And who's to say, the other thing to say here is, like, if the police had knocked on the door and Ryan, had, Kato had answered, 
the door, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible that by the second he answered the door, um, you know, Quisha could have made herself, you know, presentable, said like, oh no, my son was just kicking and screaming because, uh, you know, or Ryan could have said, you know, oh, it's just my my girlfriend's son. He's just yelling about his math homework. Like, you know, the, the cases of domestic violence where no one is arrested or nothing is actually seen to be wrong by the time the door is answered or literally i mean they could have arrested aquisha because a lot of the time when domestic violence calls come in they actually end up arresting the victim because of like the fucked up dynamics of how like you have to because she would be at she would be the one that they'd have to turn to and say like do you want to press charges against this person right and she's not i mean if she's been a victim of his violence as well which it sounds like she has been i'm sure she was being abused too then she's gonna be like frightened to say that so she's either gonna say no and then risk further violence because the threat of the police came to the door or i mean she says yes, and then he, there's like, just, it it couldn't, it wouldn't have necessarily been a good situation, even if the police had gotten there, is one point to to just note. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, maybe it's too optimistic, but I just, I would like to think that if the cops knocked on doors and just spoke to a few people, maybe they would have sensed something is wrong. I mean, I know there's, like, there's complex legality of, like, what does your gut feel versus, like, what constitutes legal entry, but, like, abusers cast a thin veil sometimes, and I think someone who is a police officer and is supposed to be able to detect something wrong with someone's behavior, they should have been able to to see that, but It's already done. So just as the police maybe should have been a bit more attentive, uh, that's the general sentiment among the neighbors too. Uh, They, several were, were quoted as saying things similar to, you know, I wish I had been a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, concerned about what I heard. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not the first time that I heard it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, some people weren't even aware that Aiden lived with his mother on that floor. And and if they had known there was a kid, probably would have been a bit more involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, it's just sort of, you know, like that woulda, coulda, shoulda thing that you know, treads this really thin line of, like, mind your business Mm -hmm. and, you know, don't snitch. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope that's not problematic for me saying it, but that that is the attitude for this Mm -hmm. context. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're not supposed to call the cops, you don't say shit about other people's Mm -hmm. business, and you don't get, you don't get people's shit. Right. And, you know, some of the time, I guess that's okay, but this time, like, a kid is dead because people didn't check on what was happening or or didn't even casually communicate with their with their neighbors mm-hmm. um, and this is reinforced by uh tyrone ball who is the head of the tenant association for saint nicholas houses um he spoke to the press at a vigil 
um, at the building on Sunday, and he was urging people to check on their neighbors when they hear something wrong, mm -hmm. and uh, this is verbatim. He said, these walls are thin enough to where you can hear a child being beaten. You think it's not your business? It's your business. It takes a village to raise a child, but the village failed. Hmm. So he fucking roasted everybody. Right. Well, I on think that. that on that note, I mean, that's also like leaning us toward a less police centric model of community care. Like, obviously, there was a point where the law did need to intervene to probably forcibly remove this person from the home, but. In terms of, you know, as we talk about a world where maybe we don't need the police to deal with every single problem, you know, if they, if Aquisha, right? Aquisha. If Aquisha had had her um, neighbors, family members, friends close by who knew this was happening and knew how to intervene safely, you know, without causing more problems for her, um, if... Aiden had had that larger community interacting with him that would have picked up on signs. Um, and then those people could be the ones to guide Aquisha and Aiden to a safe space um, to hold Cato accountable for his abuse. Like, rather than just, oh, I heard some sounds, call the cops. And then, you know, like, it, it's a much more care and community-focused intervention that would have solved all of this and kept everyone the safest mm -hmm. not actually the police coming through the door and being like hey don't hit this kid because like that may not have done anything right. really to stop this man who was clearly a serial abuser of women and children and who needs to be held accountable for that like both legally but also like by the people that he's doing it too, and the people who love those people. So I think it's nice that this man, um, the, what was he, the NYCHA, the Tenant Association? Uh, yeah, Tyrone Ball, the Tenant Association yeah. uh, uh, head. Yeah, so so yeah, Mr. Ball um, was hinting at that, and I think that's an important message for these times, um, because, like, yes, the... I don't know. This is the failure of, of so many institutions, this story. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And not just the failure of the police to knock on a door, although that was literally a part of it in this case. Um, that's not like, oh, if the police had just knocked on doors, this wouldn't have happened. Like, I don't actually believe that to be true in most scenarios. So. No, not in a broad sweeping sense. Yeah. But in this sense, Maybe. unfortunately, like, yeah, yeah probably. probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, so. I think honestly, like this this type of person, this like this Ryan Cato, mm -hmm. somebody needs to beat the shit out of him. Well, somebody probably already did. I really hope to to lowercase g God that someone beat the shit out of him. Well, no, in but I mean, prison like, already. He probably had seen and or been the victim of this abuse as a child, and that's why he's doing it to others. I mean, probably, yes, yeah. but it, I mean, I... Not that that excuses yeah. anything, but, like, again, that's, like, the the reproduction of this kind of violence among men who, like, feel that they need power and this is the only way they can get it. You know, this is another reason and way that this can be stopped is not just 
throwing those people in jail, but like making sure that it's not getting put onto the next generation. Yeah, this this cycle needs to be broken. And I mean, I don't know, will it ever stop until people like this man know what it's like to to be the victim of what they're doing? Like, what, what if he was beaten to death slowly every day for two and a half months? Would that, and perhaps allowed to live at the end of it, but would that change his mind? Would that soften him as a person? Probably not. I, I could not answer that. Probably not. <laughs> like, an eye for an eye kind of sounds nice sometimes, but I don't think it works. I don't think that solves it. Um, I was just going to look up the statistics. Okay. So here's just a little bit of um, statistics about domestic violence during the pandemic. Surveys around the world show that domestic abuse spiked since January of 2020, jumping very high compared to the same periods over 2019. According to the American Journal of Emergency Medicine and the United Nations Group UN Women, at the start of the pandemic, domestic violence increased 300% in Hubei, China, 25% in Argentina, 30% in Cyprus, 33% in Singapore, and 50% in Brazil. Um, in the U.S., police departments reported increase in cities around the country, 18% in San Antonio, Texas, 22% in Portland, Oregon, 10% in New York City. So that's just a brief sampling, and that's from a Time Magazine article called Domestic Violence is a Pandemic Within the COVID-19 Pandemic. Yeah, so the fucking Panini Press affecting everyone everywhere in every different way, I yep. guess. So just, just, to, just to provide a little bit of closure here, there was a funeral service held for Aiden in the Bronx not too long after this. His mom got him a, a, a custom blue coffin. He was wearing oh a nice you know, blue suit. Blue was his favorite color. Oh, stop. Um, so this was um, obviously heartbreaking. Uh, his mom was devastated. His dad was devastated. People had to sort of like carry his mom around, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of hold her up as mm-hmm. she walked like she was fucking done. Uh, just really, really as sad as you would expect mm-hmm. this to be, and and more, probably. And Aiden was buried in a cemetery in, uh, I believe, northern Jersey. I think mm-hmm. that's probably family was also buried there or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's mm. the story of Aiden Wolf, and that is the saddest thing I have ever, I've ever researched, I think. Yeah, I got tears in my eyes uh, multiple times through this episode. Yeah, I got, I got kind of misty when I was putting my notes together. Mm-hmm. It, and it's so, I mean, it literally just happened. It's, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no distance from I this. Know. There's no, like, you know, hindsight or anything like right that. or it's like just, happy something no. that came out of it it's you know his mom is still in the throes of this grief yeah his family is missing him his friends are missing him like the world is missing this like bright young kid yeah and hit the person who murdered him is i mean presumably still just sitting waiting awaiting a trial right yeah he is just waiting for a trial um there i mean he is 
staying in jail. There is no yeah. There is no bail. I mean, unless Rikers chooses to fuck up and release someone who was supposed to be released again. But look out for the kids in your life. Yeah, seriously. If you or someone you know is a victim of intimate partner violence in any in any way, shape, or form, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline in the United States. It's 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. You can also live chat someone on their website and get some information about how to help friends or family that you might know in these situations. Um, It's a very, very difficult situation, but this case shows why it's important to intervene if we do know something because it can help to prevent tragedies like this one yeah honestly you know stay stay nosy stay concerned mm-hmm. you might be the the difference between between someone's life or death mm-hmm. we'll see you next week this is new york's state of crime <laughs>